Welcome into the Paul Kuharski podcast. I'm happy to be here to talk Titans with you, part of the 440 Sports Network, brought to you by Jaspers and Zen Sports. We're going to talk about Will Levis's safety, Ryan Tannehill's exit as the starter, what the defense's true identity is now, and some of your questions. Let's dive right into Titans talk. Will Levis. There's this idea amongst some Titans fans that Will Levis shouldn't be inserted into the lineup. And I know this is very contrarian because most people, most sensible people, want him in the lineup, are ecstatic that he's been named the starter and are ready to see him go. But some are saying, well, the line is bad and he's destined to get hurt and they should bubble wrap him and put him aside, roll Tannehill out there and let him continue to take the beating and, and wait until the line is fixed next year to put Levis out there. That's nonsense, right? If you wait for things to be right, to insert a new highly drafted quarterback on a team that needs one, the time will never come. Because a team that needs a new quarterback is inevitably going to have uh, problems. So Will Levis is more equipped to handle what's wrong with the Titans up front than anybody the, the Titans have, right? He's rugged. Uh, he can endure pressure. He can make plays under pressure. And he can avoid pressure. He's got to play now. Most smart people get that. Um, and he's going to get hit right? It's part of a quarterback's job that you get hit. You cross your fingers and you hope none of the hits result in an injury, but it's part of the risk of the job. Titans need to install game plans that minimize <clears throat> the hits. He needs to throw the ball away in timely fashion. In some circumstances, he's shown that he could throw the ball with people bearing down on him or even as he's getting hit doesn't always need to step into throws because he's got that magnificent arm and the magnificent uh, ability to, to flick the ball just with, with his arm. And sacks, to a degree, to a large degree, and the longer I've covered the league and the more I've watched great quarterbacks elsewhere, the more I've become a believer in sacks being largely a quarterback stat. Now, I'm not saying Andre Dillard should be forgiven or Nicholas Petit Frere when he was out there should be forgiven or, you know, uh, the, the, the Titans offensive line should be absolved of its problems. But a good quarterback with a good sense of what's going on can do a lot to mitigate uh, problems. I asked Will Levis what his thinking is about sacks being a quarterback stat. Uh, it's a team stat. I mean, everyone, everyone's got a job to do. Uh, there's no way to peg a sack on whose fault it was um, unless you know exactly the ins and outs of what's going on with the offense, with the protection or anything. Uh, but, I mean, it's a team stat. It goes in the, in the team category, in, in my opinion. How much responsibility do you feel for, for helping out the offensive line on the occasions that – that somebody may yeah, put pressure on. I mean, uh, we, we, we preach to them that, you know, we, we trust that you guys know your assignments. We trust that you guys are going to pick up the guys uh, that you're supposed to. Um, but, you know, 
dudes get beat regardless of how good you are. So it's, it's us letting them know that, you know, we're going to be smart with the ball, we're going to get the ball of our hands, that we're not going to be hanging on to it for too long, and just continuing to understand the situations that do um, require you to get the ball out a little earlier than others. I thought it was inevitable, and I wrote this uh, in, in London, that, that Tannehill was going to get hurt, that we were going to talk to him on crutches or, you know, hurt in some fashion that knocked him out of play after a game this season. But Tannehill's aging, he's losing mobility, um, determined to stand in and try to make things happen. He's different than Levis. I don't think it's inevitable that Levis gets hurt. I don't think the Titans can be scared. Not that they should not be ashamed at what they've done in terms of assembling quote-unquote pass protection. I think Andre Dillard's back at left tackle because I think Dylan Radins may be playing right guard for Daniel Brunskill, who's got a bad ankle and didn't start off the week practicing. Those guys all need to do better. I think the pass rushes that the Titans are facing the, the rest of the way don't feature, you know, the Miles Garretts and the, and the Bosa's and the Watts that the Titans have seen. Um, you know, I think once they're healthy and Brunskill's back in, Raidens maybe gets the chance at left tackle and should be better than Dillard. I think it's amazing that last year we said it's inconceivable that they could be worse than Dennis Daly and, and, you know, all the counting sites, pro football focus in particular, you know, people have been extrapolating what Dillard has done so far in terms of what they've counted for him in sacks allowed, pressures allowed, hits allowed, extrapolate that out. And he is in fact, on track if he continues to play to be worse than Dennis Daly, which is unbelievable. We'll talk more about offensive line down the line for the Titans. Ryan Tannehill, uh, you know, may end up starting again if I'm wrong about Levis being hurt. And who knows, right? I mean, Levis could get hurt. You have no way of knowing you know, what's going to happen. I'm, I, I don't pretend to be able to predict things accurately. If you listen to this on any regular basis, you know uh, that about me. And if you don't, welcome in. I'm Paul Kuherski of paulkuherski.com. This is the Paul Kuherski podcast. Ryan Tannehill is a tough guy who took the beatings, uh, and he's a big boy and a pro. Uh, I respected him a great deal, and he did very good work that's generally under, underrated for the Titans. He was not an elite quarterback, but he played very well for the Titans in a stretch of time a window that didn't last long enough where uh, they were a top AFC team. Uh, AFC championship game appearance, a number one seed uh, in, the, in the AFC, two um, AFC South titles. He didn't get protection from the line we're talking about. We saw him on crutches at Tottenham Stadium. It's the third ankle injury. Uh, over a relatively short amount of time. And there he was th uh, Wednesday, shuffling around through individual quarterback drills, looking like he had still a ways to go uh, to get healthy, to, to work as the, as the backup quarterback. I asked him, I asked him 
if fans put too much weight on the Bengals' playoff loss as a, as a piece of his career as the Titans star? Because I wanted to hear what he thought about how outsiders perceive his career. I, I didn't say, hey, your Bengals game is a real stain on your career or anything like that. I think, um, you know, th- that was a terrible game. And I think the thing is that, you know, there's a distinct before and after about that game. His passer rating is 15 points lower after that game. The roster is substantially worse after that game. The team's record is substantially worse after that game, et cetera, et cetera. But there's been, and and maybe this is a case of me reacting too much to a small amount of, of Twitter and a few DMs that I got. But I, I'm getting grief from loud grief from some people for asking this question, which I, I just don't think people are listening to the question. They're putting things into the question that aren't there. I asked him, I wanted his opinion. Does the fan base put too much weight into this one bad moment in the scope of your career? And, you know, he he did the thing he does where he said, well, we beat the Bengals last time. I said, no, no, the playoff Bengals game. And then he said, you know, well, he said this. Uh, last time we played them, we beat them, so I'm not sure. The playoff game. Um, I don't know. That's up to someone else to decide, you know. I uh, feel like uh, I feel like I did a lot of good things to this organization and, and uh, kind of turned things around for, for a good period of time and won a lot of football games. So, um, you know, it wasn't perfect. Never is perfect, but hopefully people can look back and, and see the good that, things that I did and, and how I you know, helped this city, helped this organization, and, and helped turn things around. That's a thoughtful answer that kind of encapsulates his time. I hope people see how I helped this team and helped this city turn things around. He's not off put by that question. Not that I would have cared if he was. That was like the, the capper on his press conference with us. He had, it's not like he was demoted moments before that, though I don't control the timing of anything. If if you have a big beef with that question, you're incredibly, incredibly soft. Now, most of you listening to this, I suspect don't have a problem with that question. So I'm asking you to talk some sense into the people you know who have a big problem with that question and are incredibly soft. I didn't give him grief for anything there. I asked his opinion on it and he gave the very reasonable answer. That was the best framing of his career about the Titans as a Titan starter that he offered in the whole time. There's nothing wrong with that. I understand people have beef with some of the questions I ask and that I'm, you know, different than everybody out there. And I, I mean, God forbid somebody be different than, you know, the largely wrote the stenographic stuff that, that goes on. Uh, and I hope that those of you who are listening, who will uh, like and subscribe and rate what you're listening to or watching right now, uh, appreciate that. But but that there's any level of furor re- as a result of, of that question is just baffling. You want something to be upset about here related to Tannehill talking a couple days after he's officially demoted and replaced. That Bengals game, to a lot of fans I know, is the definitive moment for Ryan Tannehill. 
Um, and quarterbacks write their legacy with what they do in the playoffs. Now, nevertheless, there was nothing about what I said. I asked him about how it's perceived. That's not a big deal. If, if you think it's a big deal, um, it's really on you. I wrote Tuesday, there's very much a before and after line on that game. I mentioned it, 15-point passer rating, win and loss difference, all of that. The team fell apart from there. It was a scar for the team. It sent them to therapy, all kinds of stuff. Plenty of people weigh it very heavily, whether it's fair or not. Um, you know, one-game aberration? Well, he's not been a good playoff quarterback. Listen to the answer and and read the words that I wrote on the tweet about what I asked him. Hear what I'm saying now about what I asked him. I don't know how you could find it objectionable. There's, you could find stuff objectionable about me. Just look for it. Go find something better than that. I'm sponsored by Zen Sports. What you need to do is go to Zen Sports and download their app and then sign up using the code TNPAUL. Once you do that, if you're not a member of this site, what you do is you make a $10 bet and you get a free membership to paulkuharski.com for a year. It's a great deal. You get everything that I write. Mike Herndon stuff, Blake Bettingfield stuff, private chats, uh, slot in the private Facebook group where there's good conversation. People offer up reasonably priced tickets sometimes, et cetera, et cetera. 5% discount at Tennessee tickets, which adds up based on how expensive tickets are. Um, it's a great deal. And um, if you're a member, once you bet 250 and win big dollars with that, they give you another 250, a great deal. It's uh, there's no reason not to bet Zen Sports. It's exclusive to Tennessee. Um, they're they're a fantastic organization. They have been uh, very very good to me and to us. So I can't recommend them highly enough. Check them out. Go get the app Zen Sports. Use the code T N Paul. Gambling problem? Call one 9789 Terms and conditions apply. You must be 21 and over in Tennessee and in Tennessee to bet. Let's talk about the Titans defense. All right. I think all of us had expectations that this defense would be good. And all of us were wrong. The pass rush had a good game against Desmond Ritter and the Falcons. Uh, five sacks against him, six sacks in the Falcons game, nine hits in the game book. But that's six sacks and three additional hits. So it's important to note in, in the game book, if you have six sacks, you get six hits also. It's double counted. So hits are a redundant stat. You need to look at hits, subtract the sacks, and then you get the additional hits. So um, the other three games in the last four games have been absolutely pathetic. Two sacks and three additional hits. One sack by a member of this vaunted front four, Harold Landry. The other one was by Nickelback, Roger McCreary. As they've lost three of these four games, the front four, who's supposed to set the defensive tone, who's supposed to set the team tone, in those losses, they have one sack and three additional hits. That's no fearsome front. That, that's no fearsome front. And these guys have been invisible. Landry in those three games, three pressures. Autry, six. Simmons, six. Key, seven. 
Let's run through some numbers. They are tied for 17th with 21 sacks, the team. Pressures from pro football reference, which are hurries, knockdowns, and sacks total, not redundant. They're third from last with 54, ahead of mighty Denver and Carolina. Pressure percentage, 18.4% of dropbacks, fourth worst. Hurry percentage, 4.8% of the time, tied for fourth worst. They're 15th in sacks per place, middle of the pack. Mike Vrabel said time and time again, they've got to win one-on-ones. Jeffrey Simmons really does not like hearing about that. Vrabel said it again after the Steelers game. Simmons, who clearly didn't like hearing about it previously, said in Pittsburgh, kind of like, I need to see the film. I'm going to, you know, he's being very kind of reserved that I'm not going to say anything about that. I need to to see the film first. Then inconveniently, you know, it's a Thursday night game. We don't get to talk to Jeff again until Wednesday. So I said, hey, well, you kind of said you wanted to see the film before you you commented on that. What do you think now? And he went with, uh, you know, focus forward on Tampa Bay. So it's a classic Belichickian move. After the game, you say you need to evaluate the game. And then the next time you talk to him, you say, oh, that game's in the past. Uh, We're focused on the next game. And you avoid discussing it at all. I think that Jeff is having trouble coming to terms with some things that are going on with the Titans defense. And, uh, you know, with Byard gone, I want to hear more from, from Jeff. The rushing defense failures over these last four games, including the win over Atlanta, have not skipped a game. 34 for 193, 39 for 139, 26 for 140, 30 for 166. That's no top run defense. I mean, they can't refer to last year being a very good run defense anymore. That's 32 for 160 a game over the last four games. Overall, they're 19th. In, in rushing yards a game allowed. 19th run defense. This is not some aberration going on in these last four games. This is what they are right now, which is not good. Force them, the other team, to be one-dimensional and pin your airs back to, to pass rush. That is kind of their objective. That is kind of everybody's objective in terms of getting to pass rush. You know, you earn the right to pass rush by stopping the run. It's not working. They're not doing it. Aziz Al-Shair, after the Steelers game in the locker room at uh, whatever that field is called now, said something that I found very interesting. I went back and listened to it. I'm going to share it with you. This is Aziz on what was going on with the run game after Najee Harris and Jalen Warren combined to beat the Titans at the run game and contribute to the Steelers win? Uh, so I just think it's just trying to be a little bit more sound. I think when, you know, you start having situations like us where you like stuffing the run, stuffing the run, you're, you're expecting teams to do something super exotic to try to mess with you. And then, you know, it might run the most basic play. You're like, oh, crap, like, that's all it was. And they might be scheming up all week for a certain play or some weird play that you're going to get. And then they might just run inside zone. And you're like, oh, you know, like, so it's just getting back to the fundamentals, the basics, you know, everybody, myself included. Um, 
taking it one, one play at a time, one day at a time, and you know, it's Thursday night, get back in on Tuesday, uh, and we got to be ready to work. So Aziz Al-Sahir said after the Steelers game, you're scheming up for some crazy play, some exotic play, and then you get beat by the basics. I mean, that that's troubling to hear him say that in the locker room after the Steelers game. I mean, you should be handling the basic stuff no matter what exotic stuff you're getting ready for. The exotic stuff should be on top of the basic stuff. And, you know, that sounds like over-scheming, overthinking. He's not accusing anyone of anything there, but if you're extrapolating out of that, sounds like Mike Vrabel and Shane Bowen have guys over-schemed, over overthinking. But, I, you know, I don't understand how players aren't ready for basic run plays but feel like they're ready for something exotic. And I don't understand why anybody with the Titans would think a team needs to do something exotic to beat their run defense, something crazy, something beyond the norm, when they're the 19th run defense in the league and they've been being run on pretty regularly. It doesn't take anything special to run against the Titans. Teams are running against the Titans regularly. Stop with this thinking where you think you're some special run defense and it takes something special to beat you. It doesn't. Teams are running on you just like teams run on bad run defenses. Now, what has changed since last year, since the Titans were a very good run defense? David Long is gone. Demarcus Walker is gone. Dylan Cole is gone. I mean, are those three guys massive run game difference makers? They certainly missed Tart in the Indianapolis and Baltimore games. Tier Tart was out with his toe injury. He was good against Atlanta, but he didn't mean much in Pittsburgh. People are going to point to Jim Schwartz. His influence gets downplayed in-house when I've had this conversation with people. But he has to be a thing because it's not just the run defense. I mean, the defense was better during his two seasons here. It was not good before. And it's not nearly as good after. So there's something there. But there's also something missing in approach and mindset amongst the defenders. And there's this kind of presumption that they're good. Like that their baseline is, hey, we're a good defense and we just need to blah, 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 blah. They're not a good defense. They need to change this baseline attitude where they think they're good um, and we've just got to do this, this, and this to get I, I, I reset. But hey, we're not a good defense. We need to, you know, I, I, I don't know. It bothers me that they talk like, you know, we're just a little bit off. Blah, 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 blah. You're almost halfway through the season, you know, eight, eight, eight games in a, in a 17 game season. You are what your record is. I, I buy that with Parcells. You are what these stats, lack of pass pressure, giving up rushing yardage, you are that. So this, this overriding feeling that there's something that they aren't, something that they haven't been, bothers me. And I think it's a problem. I think it's a mentality problem. 
I'm sponsored by Jasper's as well. You see their logo up in the corner. Um, it's a great place to eat or have some drinks. Uh, it's between Midtown and Downtown on West End in Nashville. Very convenient. Super convenient because you park there and you don't pay to park there. So that's that's number one before you even get in the door. Then, look, it's practical for all occasions. You go there for business lunch. You go there on a date. You go there with your family. Prices are reasonable. Menu is varied. Drinks are cold. Uh, volume is reasonable, which is hard to find. Nashville restaurants are very loud, says the 54-year-old guy sounding 64. Um, free games. So, you know, if you want uh, your wife or girlfriend or boyfriend or husband to let out some steam, you can go play skee-ball or air hockey or pop a shot for a little while, have some fun before you order or before your entrees come. Um you can listen to a podcast at the counter or do some reading uh, during lunch or dinner if you choose. Um, food's great. Drinks are great. Service is great. Parking for free is great. Location is great. Between downtown and midtown on West End Avenue. If you've been, it's time to go back. If you haven't been, you're far overdue to check it out. Jasper's on West End. We appreciate their support. And I urge you to check it out. Trade, this idea of New England trading for Mike Vrabel, who Ben Volan of the Boston Globe reported is uh, Robert Kraft's home run choice um, if he's replacing his Hall of Fame coach. If Robert Kraft, who's going to be in the Hall of Fame in the next couple years, and I say this from being on the Coach and Contributors Committee, Selection Committee for the Hall of Fame, if Robert Kraft wants Mike Vrabel desperately, Amy Adams Strunk ought to consider what that means about Mike Vrabel's value. Stability is severely underrated by fans. If Will Levis is on track, the worst thing you can do to him is pull everything out from under him. Unless you're promoting from within, do you want Tim Kelly or Charles London to be Mike Vrabel's replacement? I, I don't think those guys right now are CEO of football team caliber guys. Maybe they will be in time. They're not yet. Vrabel's been working with a roster bereft of talent for a while now, and New England is a worse situation. If the Patriots dealt for him, they'd be down a valuable pick or picks and he'd inherit a thin team down resources. He's got a quarterback here in Will Levis, but he's going to want to go to New England with uh, fewer resources and a worse roster. Um, it seems to me that it's not that attractive to him, though you know, if Amy Adams Strunk wanted to ship him off, he'd say, you know, go ahead. Meanwhile, he's got a quarterback here. To, to build around people who are excited about this idea. Titans fans who are excited about this idea, overvalued draft picks and undervalue the Titans ability to botch a coaching hire. They also undervalue the Titans ability to botch draft picks. Yes. The Titans need as many 
high draft picks and as many chances to chase blue chip players as they can get. And we should expect, I suppose, that they're going to do better with them under a new regime with, with Vrabel and Carthon or whoever replaced Vrabel in this scenario and Carthon, you know, new chance. But history suggests they would botch both ends of this. I'm on the side of stability. And if Kraft covets Vrabel, that tells you a lot. Kraft is one of the best owners in football. And if you want to be one of the best owners in football, you should take your cues from Robert Kraft and say, hey, you go find your own coach. I'm going to keep things stable here. Let my guy ride this out. He's got a quarterback now that he was a part of choosing. He wasn't a part of choosing the guys uh, that he that he had previously. Maybe he gave a thumbs up on the uh, I just think fans are far too excited about this idea and haven't really thought the whole thing through. Couple, uh, couple questions from uh, members in the private Facebook group. We'll start with Sean Ferguson. Do you see any scenario where the Titans could trade up in the draft to get one of the top two premier left tackles? Say they're at 10 and need to get up to five, being they're short on capital this year. Also, this team has to remake the wide receiving core next year. Hopkins is older. Burks is not playing up to his draft spot. Do you grab a top guy in free agency in the first two rounds of the draft? All right. The tackles. Penn State's Olu Fashanu and Notre Dame's Joe Alt are the two prizes of this draft uh, in terms of left tackle prospects. And the Titans have to get a prime left tackle. Of the teams that would be drafting in front of them right now, Chicago's got two first-rounders. Theirs and Carolina's in prime position. They need a left tackle, but uh, they need a quarterback probably with a verdict on fields coming. They need a wide receiver. Maybe they've taken care of edge now. They just took Darnell Wright, who's their starting right tackle, 10th overall, but they're uh, an obstacle. The Giants need a quarterback more. They just drafted Andrew Thomas, who just returned from injury, fourth in 2020. Evan Neal, seventh in 2022. Another tackle would be really a premium on tackle. New England, Trent Brown's a free agent, but they need a quarterback more. The Rams need an offensive tackle. They need to edge, too. Green Bay absolutely needs an offensive tackle. Um, Tampa Bay needs a quarterback, depending on how you feel about Mayfield. They need a wide receiver. Um, Denver needs probably a quarterback, depending on what you're thinking about Russell Wilson. And he's got a complicated contract. They need an edge. They need defensive lineman. Offensive tackle might rank fourth there. So if the Titans were 10th, like they are right now, uh, certainly possible that these two tackles are gone before things get to them. So uh, can they trade up? I mean, they don't have a third rounder. Um, and they've, they've got a lot of needs beyond of offensive tackle. So maybe you're thinking about, you know, the next batch, batch of tackles, at, not at 10. You know, maybe you'd have to manipulate. Talisi Fuaga. Oregon State, J.C. Latham from Alabama, uh, Marius Mims from Georgia. 
maybe there's a scenario where one of those tackles falls to you. Um, you know, and if you need to move up from nine to that from 10 to nine, 10 to eight, those are more feasible deals, but going from 10 to five is awfully expensive. I, I don't foresee that. Do I grab a top receiver in free agency? Absolutely. Everyone's wild about T Higgins. Titans fans have the Titans landing T Higgins. I don't think T Higgins gets to free agency. I, I think that the Bengals will manipulate things and do whatever they can to keep together the, the meat of their team, which is Burrow, who's signed, and Jamar Chase and T. Higgins. Um, and Boyd's also going to be a free agent. But uh, I, I see Higgins as a long-term Bengal. So then, then the list includes Tyler Boyd, Hollywood Brown, <clears throat> Calvin Ridley, Michael Pittman, Gabe Davis. That's from Spotrack. Um, you know, others who, you know, don't have the resumes of, of those guys. Those are the best of the bunch from what I looked at. You've also got to draft and develop one. Look, they've got to draft and develop one and they've got to not look up at the camera and laugh at the fans who are paying their salaries and, and who they want to buy PSLs for the new stadium. Um, top three next year, Hopkins, a free agent, a draft pick, Burks, you know, gravy, if you can get him going, Phillips, gravy. Maybe you re-sign more, depending on what you, you have. You move on from NWI, I think, finally. Anything's possible, right? A, a left tackle home run is a must. Um, I think free agency is a tougher out there. Moving up in the first round is really expensive. Moving down is ideal. If they could be in a spot where somebody wants a quarterback, maybe the third quarterback, that would be tremendous. Um, but a long time between then and now. And, uh, you know, maybe they do worse than 10th, meaning higher. Maybe they do better. Schedule's bad. Levis has a lot going for him. We'll see. David Jackson asks, do I think, do you think now that they have a quarterback who can throw the deep ball, Will it change the approach of how they draft receivers going forward? This is an interesting idea. Anti-speed is kind of in their DNA, isn't it, David? Takes more than speed. But, yes, I, I've wanted a fast guy forever and ever. Not a track star fast guy. Just a guy, you know, who is more threatening deep than what they have. Now, Levis obviously can find the kind of guys they have now deep. We saw what he did against Atlanta. With Hopkins, with NWI, who hit, you know, a speed that most of us didn't think he had in his arsenal. But why not try to be faster by drafting a faster guy instead of saying, we're going to be faster in and out of the huddle and it's going to make us a faster team, which is something they actually said. It's important to note, though, this has been a shot-taking team in the Ryan Tannehill era. His yards per attempt has not been an issue. Another thing I'm interested in is whether they will become less reluctant to include a smaller receiver and not a smaller receiver like Kyle Phillips, um, but a, a smaller receiver who's, a, who's got some long speed, you know, not short area quickness, small, but long speed, small uh, with flowers, 
be a guy, not necessarily him, but a guy like him that's more, uh, more in consideration. Whereas for all this time in the Vrabel era and the Tannehill era, we knew they weren't going to, a guy like that wasn't, wasn't going to be under heavy consideration here. Is that, is that era over? Um, I would hope so. One more, Jim Belaski. With Levis as starter, do I think Willis's days are numbered? Wouldn't it make more sense to have a capable veteran backup for Levis next year instead of Willis? Look, you still have Willis in camp next year as the third, and you judge him from there, and, and maybe you have another three-quarterback year. But they will have the money to get themselves one of the NFL's better backups. I'm thinking, you know, Tyrod Taylor, who's a 500 quarterback with an 88.4 rating. Josh Dobbs has been, you know, a hell of a story um, and, and is a guy coming off the bench who gives you a better chance than, than Malik Willis would, certainly. Gardner Minshew, Jacoby Brissett, those are probably the best four out there. It's slim pickings. It really is. But um, there should be no financial reason that the Titans don't have uh, the best veteran backup they can get. So if they don't go get one of those guys, it's a philosophical reason. After that bunch, though, you know, veteran backups are pretty shitty. Uh, I'm not real keen on most of them. Go sign up at Zen Sports. Use code TNPAUL. Bet $10. Get a free membership to paulkuherski.com. Check out Jasper's on West End for an excellent meal. Don't block the box. Be sure to lock your locks. Thanks for coming.